Hello everybody and welcome back to Caught Offside, the podcast that's exploding many myths around sport, media and entertainment, along with how it's all converging. Sorry that we've been away for a little while, but we afforded ourselves a bit of a summer holiday, but now we're back. So please follow, subscribe and like Caught Offside. Today, we're going to go into an area that some are viewing as contentious, others are seeing as revolutionary and others are seeing as critical to enabling better fan connections. Delighted to invite onto the podcast today, James Newman from Chili's. Hi Neil, thank you for having me. Without beating around the bush, and we haven't titled this podcast for a reason, let's go straight into the elephant in the room. What the fuck are fan tokens, Web3 and blockchain? I think you summed it up quite well at the beginning. I think you said that they were revolutionary, critical and controversial. One of the three, and I'd probably say that they're all three. What we're talking about when we talk about either blockchain... NFTs, fan tokens, Web3. A lot of the thing that gets in the way is terminology. If you say Web3, you say blockchain, you say crypto, people associate that with what they've seen in the first wave of products. Obviously, NFTs have been very high profile. Fan tokens, in their own sense, have have been leading the way in that debate as well. But what we really mean, and I'm going to actually throw out another term i'm going to get rid of i'm going to throw out one term and and bring in i'm going to get web3 and bring in another term um of sportfy um and just really to do that because i think the area that brings the best example is what we've seen in gamefi in gamefi we see the kind of decentralization, the direct ownership of all of the assets we see in gaming i'm talking about you know buying your skin in fortnite or whatever that is, and you actually get to own that as opposed to having some licensing fee, some subscription fee, or whatever that, that might be. So within that world of gaming, you know, there are things that people want to own, want to buy, as opposed to, to license. And the reason they want to do that is they want to actually play a greater direct role in that community. You know, they actually want to purchase something rather than be broadcast to be licensed and and not have anything and that when you apply that to sportfy is exactly the same you know there are assets within sports within membership within ticketing whatever that may be that we can apply a new way to of ownership and a new way of consumption or or owning or um, or actually playing a role in a digital community to those assets and that's really kind of all we're talking about it's it's the technology you know, I often say that no one taught us how to use the internet. We just used the internet because there was cool things to do. I think that point you just raised there around, like, this being very much around technology as an enabler is one of the critical things I think a lot of people are missing here. And your example around Gamify, and particularly with what Fortnite has, Fortnite is first and foremost a game and a community and experience. It doesn't talk about technology, Right within that, obviously it powers it, and there's creativity, and it's all around like creating a better experience for the gamer or the player or the overall audience that's doing it. And I think from our experience and understanding the market, everyone's been waylaid by technology jargon around what these things are, without it being communicated around what the real benefits are to fans and consumers of these propositions, yeah. like an Epic has done with Fortnite, for instance. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think we've hit on exactly that I think you know it's so early in the process for many of these products which are underpinned by the technology because the product can be anything you know whether it's an NFT whether it's a token 
which the only difference between that and NFT would be that all of the tokens are the same. Like if you go to a fairground and you buy a token, it's the same as all the others, as opposed to if you buy a piece of art or even a ticket to a match that won't be the same as all of the others because you've got a specific seat and it comes with certain rights and things. And I know that you know we can get into the technology and, um, and we can kind of break that down uh, later in the conversation, but that's the interesting point. And I think one of the big challenges for the industry... And it's certainly one of the reasons why I've come to to join the industry. My background's not in blockchain technology. My background's in actually working for other technology companies, either in online gaming, in social media, in actual gaming, as we're talking about with with the Fortnite example, where technology is outpaced the kind of stakeholder or public understanding, and in particular, the understanding of policymakers and laws. So where we're expecting new regulation to come, but yet, you know, I think a good example is, I think, you know, we can use a politician that's um, no longer in the House. She stood up in Parliament, and this was only a year ago, and gave the revelation that, did you know most young people are not watching television? They're actually consuming uh, this thing called YouTube. And... You know, that is an example of, you know, the people that, that, that make the laws and the policies. We need to find a way to educate, to bring... To, I actually don't like the term education, but we need to find a way to bring to life what the actual outcome of this technology is without debating that technology. And, and that's why I don't particularly want to say, you know, we could become a meme if we do the crypto bro thing. You know, yeah. another, another, another crypto bro on a podcast. But, you know, there is that problem. That, and if you look at the discourse... And you look at the conversation on social media, you've got evangelists of the technology, you've got blockchain people, believers, you've got crypto bros as well. Saying to the kind of mainstream people who say, what is this? You've created something out of thin air. This doesn't actually exist. It's like, well, you know, the internet's created out of thin air. You know, many things are created out out there. But those two sets of people can't seem to communicate. Why do I really care? Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head here and, on a previous podcast, we were talking about the the fourth revenue pillar available for football teams in particular and naming it the direct-to-fan proposition on there. Um, equally on that front, we know that one of the huge gaps, or there's two real big gaps for, for clubs being able to capitalise it. One is like generally not having the commitment and consistency around to direct fan initiatives versus traditional commercial models. But also underneath it as well is how do you connect the experience and what a fan wants with products and propositions as well. And our perspective is that blockchain in particular is the underlying facilitation method that provides all of these things. What what do you think of that? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, like I wouldn't be sat here working in the company that I worked if I didn't completely 100% believe that was that was right. It's exactly as you've outlined. There is, you know, fans are used to having this kind of web two environment relationship. You know, you're broadcast to. You are broadcast to. Whether that's, and let's put, again, aside the physical act of going to a match, because I know, and actually what I really enjoyed about your last podcast was this debate on what's a fan, what's a follower, that, you know, actually we have this thing, I think, in the UK where... You have to qualify why it is you're a fan of your club. You know, if I say that I'm an Arsenal fan, which I am, I immediately have to follow it up with saying, well, my granddad was born uh, in this postcode and on this road. And that's why I'm an Arsenal fan, even though I was born in Essex. And, you know, that's and and someone has you have to qualify this tribalism and why you belong to those people. 
that is something I think that's quite uniquely uniquely English or perhaps uh, British and, and and associated with English football. So really keen, really keen to get into that. There is this appetite, and you know your research shows it. If I'm allowed to on this podcast mention other reports from like the recent Absolutely. Deloitte recent Deloitte report, which wasn't as good as yours, but actually you know found a similar appetite. I think they found 74% of people they surveyed were interested in a fan token type product so not even just an nft again you know quality like yours qualified even more directly to that the reason they're interested in that is because they're used to being broadcast to you know whether that's streaming on on actually watching the match or social media because that is the main again getting into that fans versus followers yeah that is what we're talking about that's the only that's the main way that these these clubs and brands are measuring their popularity is in how much are they selling to people but then Who's following them and who's interacting with them on social media? Because they're the people we need to be selling to. Yeah. And, you know, you've got hundreds of millions, I think, isn't it, Barca, that say they've got a billion fans. And, and you'll, you'll know better than me how they yeah. how they get to that data point. But you, know, you can only get so many in the ground. And yeah. all of those fans want to play a role in that community. They want to be recognised. They want to be active. Uh, and they want to engage with other people in that community. And what I think is really interesting when you look at Web 2 compared to kind of the Web 3 decentralized sport fire, game fire, whatever you want to call it, it's a bit of a kind of pendulum swing all the way back round to focusing on community and focusing on what binds people together. The social media platforms, television, growth of television, globalization of just... There are no communities. There is just the world and and broadcast everything to everyone. We've kind of now reacting against that. And that's why there's such an appetite for direct-to-fan relationship that you're talking about. It's fascinating. We we look at this whole vertical in sport right now. And again, everyone and clubs specifically are fixated on the match day. Right, The production is the game itself. They don't own the rights. They get paid a lot of money every year by Sky or the other content broadcasters out there. But the real opportunity lies within like how do you connect and provide an ecosystem? Mm-hmm. Like, if you think back to some of the traditional loyalty programs, airlines out there, mm-hmm. the likes of Tesco's and Sainsbury's mm-hmm. with Club Card and Nectar, there's a reward mechanism for the behavior that you're exhibiting. And mm-hmm. it extends beyond just being somebody who's a customer of Tesco. Mm-hmm. At Tesco, you're a customer of Tesco, but across multiple brands mm-hmm. who don't have mm-hmm. that direct to con- direct connection. Exactly. We we see that the huge opportunity is to go beyond the the season ticket holder at the Emirates or at Old Trafford or at the New Camp. And whilst you have to look after them, which is the basic premise of any loyalty program, there's a lot of other tiers underneath that from a loyalty perspective where that's where the holy grail comes in. But connecting those customers together or fans in this case with the right propositions is really difficult to do when you don't have the data. So have you looked into or have you seen examples where blockchain could start to power like new generations of either digital membership or next wave of loyalty programs? And have you seen two brands come together or a sporting team or a brand kind of start to show that they're thinking about it or executing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Absolutely, absolutely, we have, and I think you know it's, it's exactly that that is the strength compared to that you know that kind of Web two proposition of having that direct the benefit to the club 
or to the brand sports brand the entertainment brand you know, it doesn't have to be a fo- doesn't have to be a football team obviously that is the highest profile example the reason that you want to have a director fan proposition and not rely on facebook or instagram or anything like that is because you want to not only does it make it more sticky for you, as that fan to have that direct relationship with the club or the brand um, and we've actually got quite interesting anecdotal evidence from sports outside of football um, in particular. I'm sure these examples exist in football as well. And, and when you're talking about fan versus follower, obviously, if you are you know, a season ticket holder and you're born very close to the ground, you're not at risk of wandering off to another team. No. You know, that sacrilege in, uh, in British football. But the fans that clubs global clubs whether you're Barcelona or whether you're City or Arsenal the fans that they need to engage with successfully and bring into their ecosystem to your point they are competing with them they are competing with Barcelona with City you know when you go up to Hampstead Heath and watch the games on a Saturday Sunday it's not all Arsenal Tottenham shirts anymore it's PSG Mbappe shirts, it's City, it's you know that back to that I guess that globalized point I'm yeah. I'm making and the need for to to bring those um, those communities together. So they are competing for these fans, and you and I I know have, have talked previously about that amongst Premier League clubs or not even Premier League clubs because they're competing with Serie A, La Liga. Yeah, that rush for the US, that fight for the US of there is this big market of fans who are absolutely sport mad, and they need to make sticky and get that potential Arsenal fan. And the best way to do that is not to broadcast to them. It's to actually get them to, and you know, you can do this by either giving it away for free. As we've seen yeah. many people use NFT programs where they're doing that to build a community. Obviously, you can build revenue by actually purchasing the entry with a, that's what the fan token model is at the moment. Yeah. You feed them, you engage them, you reward them to your point earlier of those reward programs, the more that you engage with the community by either, you know, buying more tickets, by either locking your tokens, by either taking part in polls, quizzes, whatever that is, you're playing an active role in that community. And that gamified element is is very important, very important to it. But that is essential in in terms of building in building that offering. Yeah, we we see the the need to adapt the traditional tactic to your point and what we've talked about many times over around that match day fan mm. that's all about on the pitch performance and even if you're not great on the pitch you're still going to stay but then you got to think about a really very different approach to your global followers or global fans how we want to depict them in that way where it, there has to be a wider commitment to that mm. director fan model and mm. as a lot of traditional marketeers will know customer lifecycle marketing right this is very much all clubs should be looking at all of their global markets almost with a blank sheet of paper. Mm. If they haven't signed up to your app and they're not on your membership program already, there's a really good reason for doing it. Mm. They have different characteristics and different needs, wants and desires. And it's about how do you start thinking about an, an acqu- a fan acquisition strategy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it can't be around like, we're going to broadcast you the game because no. if you want to watch Arsenal and you live in the US, you can. Yeah. Right. Because every single game is on all of the broadcast TV stations out there. It's more around, like, to your point, what are the nuanced approaches that are based upon what those fans want? So it's a two way dialogue really yeah. early in the piece yeah. and capturing and collecting that first party data from them with in a membership type of environment. 
And that example, I think one of the examples I alluded to in the last point was in, in Formula One was, and Formula One's a really interesting example yeah. because the fandom is traditionally for the drivers. Mm. You know, it's actually a personality driver. People often fans of the drivers. That's changing a little bit yep. with Drive to Survive, which obviously puts the kind of team brands, the people behind the teams front and centre. You know, I don't think Toto and Christian 10 years ago were as big um, icons as they as they are now, and the brands become much more important. Yep. And what we saw with Aston Martin is that when Vettel signed, we have a fan token offering for, for Aston Martin, when Vettel signed, there was... An influx of Vettel fans, and, yeah. and on the onboarding process, they identified themselves in questionnaires as, as Vettel fans. Yeah. The anecdotal evidence and the you know the kind of feedback we have from engagement with the community is that because of the engagement opportunities they got, and these are you know we can talk a little bit next about what it is you have to offer fans because I know yeah. in your research you've actually looked at what it is if you're going to buy a token or an NFT or whatever that is. Yeah. If you're going to buy a digital membership or access, what do you want to receive for it? We can we yeah. can get into that, but. Even something as simple as I played a role in choosing the livery on the car or choosing the livery on the helmet for Vettel, for this guy, or even you know playing a role in the team, watching that then on the television yeah. or seeing that then in the images. One of the other polls and opportunities for engagement we did with Aston Martin was um, naming the, the factory, actually, the, the new factory. Fans chose the name for that. But by receiving those opportunities to engage... And then, because you're then, by playing a role in that community, you see yourself on the leaderboard. I have engaged the most, that gamification element. Yeah. Or even if you're not bothered about competing, you've just got those points, and those points then translate to yeah. turning it into a reward, which you know could be anything from a water bottle to tickets to the, to the pit lane in the Grand Prix, if you've got enough of those points. That's turned them into an Aston Martin fan. You know, they now recognise themselves as an Aston Martin fan, and that... I think brings to life monetization of fans being overly commercial yeah. in football in the UK is a dirty yeah, subject is. to talk about. Yeah. Formula One, everyone's a bit easier talking about money, but yeah. you know that that's an example of what it is. The, you know, the to be successful as a sports franchise, sports brand, sports team, sports club, you need to be able to. I know this is a topic of a lot of the work you do. You need to be able to reach those fans, offer yeah. a good value exchange. Because yeah. if you're not offering a value, if you're monetizing them is a dirty word. But beyond the tickets, which are obviously very expensive, and the shirts, which are very expensive, but actually anything new yeah. that you're going to monetize, you have to offer a good value exchange. Yeah. Otherwise, fans won't buy it. The Formula One example is like fascinating, and we've looked at the growth in appeal of Aston Martin for instance mm -hmm. since Alonso came on board as well and there's been a huge increase because of his following and yeah. the geos around that but and Aston Martin's opportunity and, is they have to turn those people into Aston Martin fans and, and they do and this is where it's really fascinating if we take the divide of football and Formula One as like quite polarised like industries for instance you've got this huge demand cycle that's newish to Formula One beyond the traditional like Formula One fans who would always used to watch on ITV and then mm -hmm. Sky now have the rights obviously in the UK. It all starts with like the creation of that connection and you don't create it overnight. There's an affinity you've got to create, right? There's an excitement, there's storytelling, mm -hmm. right? It's either the car, the thrill and the excitement of Formula One, the crowd is the, like the soundtrack behind it or you create that soundtrack, create that affinity and immediate connection 
you have the job then to a marketeer or to a Formula One team or a marketer or any company is how do you drive some engagement on the back of that? And how much engagement do you drive before you start to learn off that engagement and then you monetize it? Monetization Mm -hmm. doesn't become a dirty word if you do it in that order, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you need to start with the end in mind. You need to quantify how big this revenue opportunity might be in order Mm -hmm. that you invest in these activities, which, again, I think it takes a seismic shift in football to change the business model Mm -hmm. to really look at that. Mm -hmm. I don't think the football industry has any other choice now to think differently given the financials in play with it and the lack of financial sustainability. But other industries like Formula One and other some of the more emerging industries where they are thinking about creating community and engagement and affinity up front... Mm -hmm. They don't have a mature, sophisticated product like football almost is. Yeah. Yeah, if you are the Premier League or Arsenal or Man United, you should take those same learnings that we're seeing in Formula 1 and go, well, that's the recipe and also the playbook that I need to follow to actually drive the engagement with my fans. And notice what we've been talking about here has absolutely nothing to do with technology. No. And I think going back to the start of the podcast today is like what we're trying to define the role of web3 blockchain or fan tokens by defining what they are when realistically i think we've answered one of the upfront questions it's really critical enable mm-hmm. like to bring together mm-hmm. like affinity action and ultimately monetization in a way that you're bringing ecosystems together yeah abs- yeah absolutely and you know i think it's also part of it is bringing in that kind of future-proofed technology so again to your point of you could build a perfectly good fan engagement and fan reward platform and app. Chili's has done that with socials.com and, and yeah, that's something that is a hotly debated topic about some of the value that that can bring. We've got just gone over 2 million users, so there are some people that see value in, uh, within that. But, you know, that's an example of, right, well, how do we build that fan engagement? How do we build that reward? How do we connect directly with those people? Then it's the what is the benefit to, I mean, the appeal to the the fan of using blockchain, actually owning an NFT that gives you the membership access or a token that, you know, you can then build a, uh, an offering from. The benefit to the fan is that, one is that you actually own those access rights, yeah. as opposed to, you know, that subscription that be cancelled at any time. Part of the utility as well is that you can you can sell that. Now, obviously, there is a lot of, of focus in because, you know, we're currently in that crypto winter and, and many there's been many, many examples of of projects that have launched, gone boom and then gone bust. Yeah. And so we are in that part of the growth of the industry where we've, you know, we've got to get through that initial hype bust to now build Actually, if you actually deliver value back to that, what we were saying about delivering the fun engagement, doesn't matter about the product, doesn't matter about what it is, people will buy it, that will produce demand and, and sustain the industry. But the fact that in a mature market, if you can sell that and it might go, the value of that might go up and down depending on what exactly utility is associated with it. But if you can actually sell it back, that in itself is, is useful. Yeah. Back to your point on the ecosystem, I think that's where it really, really comes in and this is kind of you know looking forward so whoever you build on the real i think powerful point for the clubs or the entertainment brands whoever that might be is actually then the ability to join up all of your different channels 
So you might have that rewards engagement app. Doesn't have to be again socialist.com. It can be the club zone. You can be whatever that is. But then the NFT or the tokens or whatever it is you own that you hold in your wallet becomes a digital key, becomes a pass that unlocks other channels. The benefit to the fan is that I don't have to have, you know, several different logins or I don't have several different subscriptions or whatever that might be. I get to actually own and feel like I'm part of it and I get to play. In a... But that community then that is traditionally or those channels that for many organisations, whether it's football teams or others, have been quite disparate. Yeah. Have been, oh, there's some social media over here, but we've got our own CRM, but we've got our own Adidas are doing our club shop or these guys. Are doing... You actually have one touch point that can unlock those channels. So no matter what platform you deliver it in, as long as I've got a, a digital wallet, digital asset wallet that I hold NFTs or tokens or whatever that might be within it, if I then get to access the the, the platform, it might be a social media thing or it might be you know a socials.com style, style rewards app that allows me to maybe play a role in designing that jersey yeah, I mean, I know we want to talk about yeah. examples who's done it well. Nike are doing some really interesting stuff with actually getting the community to be creative with some of their trainer work. Or even if you don't get to design it, you get to play a role in actually picking and choosing the design of that new kit. Yeah. I don't know, you, you know, some of the research you've done is that people obviously, it's a bit of a no-brainer, this one, are more likely to buy that kit if they've played a role in designing or yeah. choosing it. Surprise, surprise. If you then are able to join up just with that one purchase of that membership of an NFT of a, or, or a token, if you're able to then join that up with, right, because you've got that in a digital wallet, you get 48-hour early access or a week early access and a discount to the e-commerce platform to buy that to buy that shirt that you've played a role in. You're an active member of that community. Yeah. You're getting rewarded. You're getting access. You're getting discounts. You're playing a role. That shirt you played a role in. And for the club, what you're doing is rather than relying on a marketing strategy that is we need to blast out social media that this is happening, you've actually you've created an ecosystem yeah. that is yours. We're not there yet, but I think that's when it gets really interesting. Is it about the emergence of this new technology and these new capabilities it's too soon is it just very much heading up the product life cycle curve not towards growth yet but establishment and understanding yeah. is that your your feeling and then i think in parallel to that you you made a really common and um, an honest one that you you guys aren't there yet and the industry isn't in parallel to it however let's go back to talk about Fortnite, for instance mm. they've got the number one example that probably all brands and football clubs should look at in terms of the connectivity they've created, right? You can have your Nike skin that you design, that you pay for with a microtransaction within the, the game or the experience that you've had input in because you love it. You want to wear that. That's your profile. That's your avatar within that capability there. The, the same thing could exist within a football club with some of their partners. And you're spot on with what you said around you'd have the club's like CRM database, their social media data, and their kit manufacturer, their data sets never come together. You could take all of those propositions together and create a community and an experience in which you're starting to monetize it because all of a sudden fans go, oh, I love Arsenal's away jersey. Maybe I don't, but a few people don't either as well. But how do I take the, it's the not Arsenal... not quite as good as the bruised banana. Or the, it's, it's the, the bruise, Yeah, we, we've the, got we, that. Everyone likes the bruised Everyone banana. loves that. But it's trying to think about this element of like personalization. 
Right, you get that tangibility of going, I'm going to wear the Arsenal shirt with some modifications mm. with my avatar within this game environment, and it could be a different environment here. How do I take my persona there and allow brands to interact with me mm. within that ecosystem that exists today or amplify it even further, which is where I believe blockchain allows you to take mm. it even beyond the initial like ecosystem play there. And then mm. we've talked to a lot of clubs around, like, what's the value of them looking at, the digital merchandise side of their business yeah. and equally what's their metaverse strategy and we're like well start with one use case do it really really well because not all of your fans want it yeah exactly. this is the whole point it's yeah. this isn't the mass market approach that's yeah. been driven traditionally it's got to be customized and personalized and i think that's where the greatest use case and value of what blockchain and ancillary products that are derived from that like fan tokens really come in yeah at the moment this is not a mass market product. And I think that's one of the the key challenges. And I think the difficulty for many clubs is that, you know, and we, and, and again, being very honest, we play a role in that of, you know, we need to be able to build revenue yeah. in order to then reinvest to build the ecosystem and the platform. Yeah, And so, you know, they're at, we're at that tipping point of, you were there at the beginning of this cycle and so people have paid money for a token, whatever, that's gone down in value. Yeah. So, by the way, I think the important point about the kind of consumer protection element of, because we did, you know, NFTs is an example. People bought a lot of NFTs and the yeah. prices were silly. You know, I think with fan tokens offer a little bit, because they're fungible, offer a little bit of a better example because you distills the the value of not you yep. know, buying a one one off piece of art that you think is going to be worth thousands. I think it's important that as the market develops and grows, fans are able to recoup that money if they so wish. That is obviously important. But also, if you were buying a subscription and you had that for a year, then 25 to 50 quid is probably quite reasonable for, for a subscription for the year. So as long as you're recouping some value. There is a challenge right now with these products. And I think, you know, if you are Nike, you're able to offer a free onboarding point. They're doing, they're doing an absolutely amazing job. But going back to the problem, and, you know, this is a sports business podcast. Yeah. So going back to the rush for those American fans, the rush for those Asia fans, the rush, the battle, you know, so go back to them being in the boardroom of a Premier League club yeah. that isn't Nike and then being sat there and being like, okay, where's my revenue coming? How are we going to afford to actually now go and bid for Bellingham or Mbappe or whoever that is? Yeah. How are we going to build these points? And I would, you know, this is not to say that I condone any sports team just pursuing a massively aggressive, you know, monetizing fans marketing policy. But it's very important to develop a value exchange and to and to yeah. develop something that's there. And yeah. so we've had a rush of adoption. The growth since then has been slower, but you know, in the last year or in the last kind of eighteen months, we've gone from, you know, I think one point two to. 2 million wallets. Yeah. So the growth is coming and we'd rather have more sustainable growth. But I think, you know, you've got that initial gold rush. Let's be honest, that's what it was. You've yeah. got that gold rush. Then you've got some projects have disappeared. You've got oncoming 
regulation yep. in many jurisdictions. Now's the time to kind of build and get that value yeah. exchange right. The problem is, is that's a much easier conversation in Formula One. Yeah. I think that mentality shift is like the biggest thing. And that's not just about the football clubs. That's about, I think, like companies like you guys coming to the table with them, but actually bring in like really big media owners, big content mm-hmm. companies, creator, cre- content creators to the table, mm-hmm. gaming companies to the table, mm-hmm. because their communities are far bigger at a known user level than any of the football clubs, right? You mm-hmm. mentioned Barcelona's vanity stat of a billion fans, and there's others that quote 500 million, 600 million, 700 million, whatever it is. The the reality of that, there's the data and the quality of the data that informs them volumes is significantly guesswork. Mm-hmm. So you start with somebody who plays Fortnite, who plays EA, who plays on their console, whether it's an Xbox or a PlayStation, they've already got a community within their own walls. Mm-hmm. But that community does a lot of other things outside of it, and a lot of those communities are football fans. Mm. So how do you create mm. this ecosystem that brings them together so that it doesn't become a club-owned initiative? It becomes yeah. a critical enablement point of what you guys can provide in that area. That is the rationale behind building a sports and entertainment blockchain. The rationale behind building a kind of B2B offering that is you have something here that is within this ecosystem you've got sports ip yeah which is you know 150 clubs around the world or 150 teams rather because obviously they're not just all football and then you've got you know two million wallets and and, yeah. and growing the attraction is for not just for clubs to come and build something in that environment it's also for those brands that want to yeah access you know who are exactly to your point of like right well if it's easy to do if you're looking at we worked with um sony on the launch of the um spider-man into the spider-verse yeah. film and they wanted to come and work with us because a big target demographic for them are football fans yeah you build that database yeah build that community and other people also want to access that and that is also for the benefit of the people in that community not we're trying to sell you something else you actually get a reward and then you're engaging with another brand yeah i think one of the the most tangible things to me to take away from today we start off with revolution evolution critical enablers loads of different things the takeaways to me are revolution in the way people are thinking particularly traditional Mm. business models Mm evolution in the way that people test these new propositions and it's Mm -hmm. got to be based upon a fan or what the consumer's preference is Mm -hmm. and then making sure that technology is put in the bracket of being a critical enabler to facilitate all of those things yeah yeah absolutely i think agree with all of the agree with all the above i think the essential the essential thing is that you know this technology isn't going anywhere whether it's you know people won't use the term nft in 10 years it will just be i've I, whether it's a ticket yep. or whether it's a collectible, whatever that is, I've got it. You know, that they won't talk about the technology, they'll just talk about what they do with it. Like we don't talk about, you know, the World Wide Web anymore. We yep. just talk about doing stuff. Yep. Look, thanks so much for coming on. Really happy to have had you here. Um, for everyone listening out there, don't forget, share, subscribe, like, keep listening. More consistency, more frequency from us as well. Um, but James, thank you so much for collaborating with me on this. And also, like your technology helping to drive new collaborations in market as well. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thank you.